I think a lot of those comments happen early and there's really this identity crisis that hits. And you'll likely respond to this by looking for levers that can make you feel more legitimate. And this is dangerous. You know, we're here to tell you that if you have a business going, the customer is paying you, you know, to do something or you're solving a problem, then your company is legit. So you've gotten your fledgling startup going. You're at a co-working space, Starbucks in hand, and wondering if this is it. Is this really what all the hype is about? And cue the doubts. Is this a good idea? Am I the right person for this? What am I doing here? There's glamour in starting a business, but it can fade in a real hurry. In our second episode of the Startup Takeoff four-part series, we tackle the credibility crisis of starting a company. Hello, Startup Different Nation. I'm Dave. There's another guy here. I'm Chris. Hi, I didn't Chris. know we were a nation, by the way. We're a nation <laughs> of Startup Different. I guess. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a Colbert thing, I think. You know, I like saying yeah, well, when he had the Colbert so. Report, the Colbert yeah. Nation or whatever. Probably one of my favorite, you know, on TV personalities ever. But I digress. It's good to see you, Chris. Now, I have a real question for you, like right off the bat. Do you remember the first time where you really doubted the credibility of any of your startups? Because fun fact, oh, yeah. had multiple startups, but for sure, actually, last episode you talked about uh, how you left the big telecom to start App Armor with me, and uh, the flip side of that story was what I was doing, which was I was living in a different town, and I sold all my worldly possessions. Uh, what I had left, like clothing and whatever, I shoved into my little two seat uh, uh, convertible and uh, drove down the highway to the big city and basically started a new life. Like that was like back in like 2014 and definitely going down the highway. I'm thinking to myself, Oh, what have I done? Like <laughs> I don't even own a bed anymore. I have to buy one when I get there because I sold my bed. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely my credibility crisis. I remember like, what am helping, I doing? I remember helping you move into that condo. And uh, you have this like look on your face when you're like particularly stressed and you oh, yeah. were living in that zone, you know, definitely a lot of fear there. Like, I feel like our revenues for App Armor back then were, I mean, like all time revenue, like maybe 50K. Yeah, like, something like that. That <laughs> it was, was scary. A little bit scary. It was really scary. It was scary time. But we had lots of momentum and like customers were signing up and we felt like there was lots of potential. So we just, we just dove in and went for it. So yeah. yeah. I thought, I, I'm actually a little bit surprised. You know, I thought you were going to say um, our first trade show, but maybe this was just me. But I remember, um, so we had won this $15,000 prize which is basically the only form of, if you want to call it funding, that's fine. It's just free money. It wasn't like, there were no strings attached. It's like, good luck. Um, I think maybe you had to write, I think we had to report into them every once in a while, but we won a $15,000 prize from the Queen's Smith School of Business, the Dare to Dream program. Um, and we had used the money on an intern and on business development. Um, so, you know, salesy stuff, basically going to trade shows. So we went to a trade show down in fabulous Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and... You know, we we're stuck in the corner and not like a good corner, like a very far away yeah. corner booth. Um, almost no one talking to us. 
that are like those pull-up signs, you know, the yeah, really cheap stuff. Kind of sucked. It, yeah. There's no <laughs> kind of about it. Uh, <laughs> and I remember, you know, cause there's nothing happening a lot of the time during a trade show. And so I'm standing there, you know, you're waiting for people to come into the exhibit hall that we can pitch and they're just, you know, they're not coming in or they're not coming to our corner. And I, so I started talking to the guy who was working the booth across from, from us. And I think he was selling like uniforms or something like that. And he goes, wow, you guys got nothing. And it was this <laughs> real moment of like, okay, I feel like a total jackass. Like I'm standing here with in a button down with a lanyard and a name tag. They, you know, they, misspelled app armor i'm jittery on coffee i'm nervous i'm tired i'm deflated like <laughs> i'm asking myself is this really what a startup is you know am i actually doing it you know mm -hmm. is our company actually a startup you know or is this just some facade you know am i starting up right mm -hmm. and this bothers you a lot especially in the days when you're just you're just dying for credibility just yeah. something for your company you know, the first episode of the series, we were kind of talking about like the credibility, like internally, like you be believing that you can do this. That's a big part of this equation. But once you get like a teeny bit of traction, you kind of get out there. People are just going to have these passing comments and or direct ones like that nice gentleman. Hey, it motivated me, I guess. But, you know, it and that really messes with you. Yeah, there's just so many haters, you know, uh, and so many little negs that people say to you throughout your initial, uh, I don't know, first weeks, months, maybe year of your startup where you're constantly just like feeling inadequate, uh, like that you're not doing anything real. Um, it's terrible. Even like people that, you know, your friends who you think are going to be supportive are kind <laughs> of like, <laughs> you're going to blow it. <laughs> well, know? they're supportive, but yeah. skeptical, you know, yeah. because you haven't, you know, and like, you know, part of it is good natured. <laughs> They're just yeah. a little bit worried about you because they don't know if this is going to be a huge waste of your time. But and early on, though, you get a lot more of these comments. As you start to get a little bit more revenue, you know, once you're hitting your first million or whatever, I don't think some of that goes away. You still, there's always haters. Just always haters. It doesn't matter how much money you raise. People hate. It's, it's how it goes. But I think a lot of those comments happen early. And there's really this identity crisis that hits. And you'll likely respond to this by looking for levers that can make you feel more legitimate. And this is dangerous. You know, we're here to tell you that if you have a business going, a customer is paying you, you know, to do something or you're solving a problem, then your company is legit. Ignore mm -hmm. that noise. And there's a lot of noise in startup, startup, <laughs> startup and startup pop, pop mm -hmm. culture. Shout out to our folks at Rave in Boston there. You start up culture. Um, so uh, there's a lot of crap around startups. So what we wanted to do today is we want to address some of the biggest myths. So normally in every episode, we have like one myth or maybe two, and we take those on and that's fine. Today, we got a bunch we're going we're gonna to at least touch on because they're so significant and they're so they're, they're just always there that these are the things that will make you make bad decisions. Just quite frankly, it'll drive your business strategy and you know, distract you from what actually matters so easily and so quickly that we felt it was worthwhile to get ahead of it. And us, a startup different, um, for what it's worth, we did fall for some of these. You know, the, yeah. it's hard, so hard not to. You feel this pressure. Um, so we wanted to take that on today. So why don't we do that? Um, I'm going to take the first one here, Chris. But yeah, go I ahead. want you to weigh go in on it. it. So for here's sure. a fun one. So the first one is Silicon Valley. 
it's going to say that you, you, know, you need to move to California and get millions of dollars of funding uh, or you'd fail. Now, we know the funding piece we're actually going to talk about in the episode next week. You know, do you really need, it's actually even called, like, do you really need the funding or something like that? But what about Silicon Valley, Chris? Yeah, like, I, I, you know, they're probably right, Dave. Like, if you move your company to Silicon Valley, like, no company ever fails in Silicon Valley, never. right? Especially not <laughs> banks out there. Never, no. I've never seen a bank <laughs> fail in Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gold, you're set. You just move to Silicon Valley and everything works out. No, not quite, yeah. So, obviously, that that's a pretty easy myth to dispel. Yeah, like, so what, like, uh, guess what are they getting at? They're getting at, like, really good talent is attracted out there. And there's right. a big culture around all this stuff. But like, you don't need to go out there and there's talent everywhere, especially now in the remote world. Like it's yeah. so much easier to find people to work in your business. That was crap. But there was a lot of pressure on us. Like we were in Toronto back then. Like uh, I think Toronto has come up a little bit more as an entrepreneurial sort of zone, like an innovative hub for the country. But like, it's not really like that well recognized, especially not outside of Canada. And I, I even think outside of Canada, it's usually like Waterloo. That's where you're going to hear a lot about like, you know, the, the innovation happening over there and the innovation. So I think they call them the golden horseshoe or something like that. But, you know, the reality is just, so there was a lot of pressure there. So like, how legitimate are you if you're not in Silicon Valley uh, and if you don't have the funding? The funding piece, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to like, guys, that's going to be, it's its own episode because I just, it requires a detailed conversation. <laughs> but uh, we, we bootstrapped our business. That's all I'm going to say there. Then we had the next one, seasoned consultants. So these guys are going to pop up, especially after you started your business. They're going to say, hey, you need my help or you're going to get lost in this market. It's too complicated. We had that. I know. Yeah. I, I was going to say, Dave, like we've paid tens of thousands of dollars to consultants and gotten almost nothing to show for it. Whereas I feel like I've had coffee with other experienced entrepreneurs uh, and gotten way more out of it for the, the, the cost of a cup of coffee that I bought them. So I, I think that's a big one is like these consultants that sort of come around and kind of try and convince you that you need them to make your startup successful. I don't think they actually know. They don't know no. your industry. They don't know your product. They don't know what you're doing. And it, it, I, a lot of these skills uh, aren't really that transferable. Now, maybe if there's a consultant who's like right in your industry or something like that and can literally like set up meetings where you can close deals, that might be helpful. But if they're just a person who has like general startup knowledge, they're probably not going to be that useful. So unless it's like the cup of a co uh, cup of coffee, uh, then uh, I wouldn't bother going for a consultant again. I know I, I don't think I would do it again yeah. after the experiences we had. You know, it's interesting because I, when I think about the consultant thing, they could, and just to your point, yeah, they could be in the industry. So what you're referring to is a rainmaker. Somebody's going to set up right. for you. The thing is though, like that, they might not be that good a rainmaker and they're definitely going to oversell their abilities. Like we had that too. We had some uh, consultants said, Oh, I'll get you a meeting with X, Y, and Z. Blah, blah, blah. And they'll like, we kind of made them, you know, put their money where their mouth was they're like, okay, we'll tell you what, if you can get those meetings, then uh, we'll work with you. And you know, they, they don't do it. Or they get one, you know? Yeah. And they don't, and you know, I remember we had one meeting and the, yeah. And the, I'm pretty sure that the company we were talking to, like did not like the consultant. It was just like this yeah. weird, you know, like I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? But um, the other thing too, I wanted to mention is that consultants also, let's say they are a, a seasoned professional in that market, but they look at the market through the lens of their experience, right? Through their time in the market. They don't understand your product nearly as well as you do. And they probably have a sense of where your product could fit in the market, but they don't understand like your product in that market. Like it's a very, it's kind of a nuanced point here. 
but they don't know what the market looks like with your product. And so right. they're going to attack it a certain way, but they could and are likely wrong. So yeah. it's especially I, if you're I'm, trying to be disruptive with your product yeah. or service that you're offering, like the consultant's going to tell you how things were. It's like rear view yeah. mirror kind of stuff. If you're trying to, you know, disrupt an industry and change the way it's done, it's going to be tough to walk in there with the, the old fashioned approach. Uh, yeah. so yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, you know, skeptical of consultants. Also, by the way, they'll make a play for equity. Never give them equity ever. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, we <laughs> almost did Oh, yeah. do not do yeah. that. You'll, you'll think it might be a good idea. It's not. Don't. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's some consultant out there. Just, anyway, um, so uh, jaded executives are going to tell you that you're going to get sued into oblivion. So was, <laughs> we've had this before, too, especially with our product in public safety. They were like, oh, you can't do this. You're going to get sued. Never got sued. Not a single time. You know? Yeah. And you take you take steps to you know yeah, protect yourself. Yeah, we get yourself. insurance. So, we get all the things. Yeah, you incorporate. Um, you you get insurance. You you have you know terms of service disclaimers, all those types of things. The reality you, is, they probably did carefully. something. You know, they yeah. probably did something that got them sued and had a huge negative impact on their business. But that, you're not them. Yeah. You know? So, um, pop culture is going to take you to tell uh, t- tell you to take uh, ridiculous gambles. You know, just to have a chance. There's definitely this perception of founders. We kind of got at this at episode one that, like, or of this series, that is, that you, uh, you know, need to take these big gambles to be successful. It's just not true. That, the, like, yeah. why take small gambles makes way more sense anyway for smaller companies. Well, and I think too, Dave, a lot of entrepreneurs from the outside, it looks like you're taking a gamble, but actually you just have more data than everybody else. You have more <laughs> insight into it. So, to you, it doesn't feel like a risk or a gamble. It feels like the obvious next step. Whereas people who don't have all the data that you have or all the insight that you have are going to be like, wow, that person's really risky and really takes a lot of chances. Yeah, I yeah. actually got a funny story for this. And I think about it. So I remember uh, speaking with my uh, girlfriend, now wife, uh, that <laughs> so we had a couple of products on the go. We had a, a, a product with like campus bookstores and we had App Armor. And I remember about like a couple of years later, once like App Armor was obviously the winner, she sort of said to me like, you know, I'm really surprised that App Armor was the winner because I just didn't get it. And, uh, and I even remember actually after like the first major incident on uh, Laurier's campus, uh, Wilfrid Laurier University here uh, in Canada, and they'd used the app for an emergency notification to warn people what was happening and people got out of, got out of there and it was like, it worked. Um, people went, oh, you know, that's yeah. what it is. And it's kind of the stupid thing because you're so in it. You so understand it. You know what's going better versus what's not. But to, yeah, to your point, Chris, the outsiders, the people, even like one, one connection away, like my future wife, like didn't really get it. And so it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's okay. Push on. You're going to be fine. You don't need to make big gambles. You understand your market. Don't do anything stupid. You might actually be totally fine. You just need to let it play out. You need time. So. Um, uh, engineers, so I'm going to just bounce this to you right away, Chris, but engineers will say that you need a fully baked product before you put it in front of a customer. Yeah, the, this is definitely the whole MVP idea, minimum viable product, uh, half product, not half ass product. Ooh, I love um, that. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, you definitely don't need a fully baked product right out of the gates. You're going to have a product, especially like we were software, so we could iterate, we were putting it up in the cloud. We could launch updates to it 10 times a day. Um, yeah. so, you know, for us, this was really easy. We didn't have to have a fully baked product. Um, we could just come up with the MVP and keep iterating. Uh, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of software engineers, like there's something about like completeness and it's really attractive. And I know I'm always super angsty before launching launching a product, uh, I'd probably launch way too late because I'm you so do. angsty that we're missing a feature that I have something to push else. you. I would push yeah. you so hard to get it out the door. I would start promising it to customers on certain yeah. dates because this is the only way I could leverage you to the launch. deadlines <laughs> were very good at motivating a launch. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, definitely, uh, you know, the half product that doesn't necessarily have all the features day one, get it out the door as quickly as possible. To so, my fellow yeah, salespeople out there, be very careful about using that superpower. I just mentioned <laughs> you don't want to use that for every single project, but occasionally eh, a little pressure on the development team. That's not going to hurt them. So, um, uh, so I also want to hit, hit this one to you too, Chris. Uh, so, you know, haters will literally tell you, you aren't a startup. Oh yeah. There are so many haters. I, I think of that, uh, the windsurfing story. Yeah. Bit. Yeah. So I was taking windsurfing lessons and somebody asked me, Oh, like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, my brother and I have a startup and, and the person said to me, Oh, how much money have you raised? And I said, well, we just, we're just getting customers and we're, we have, you know, we hiring people. Yeah. <laughs> and we're making money doing that. And they're like, well, you're not a startup then. And I was like, uh, uh <laughs> because we're profitable and we're adding customers rapidly, like I don't understand. So yeah, like another one of those negs that you're kind of like, start self-doubting yourself because somebody thinks, oh, you're not actually a startup. You're Can just you imagine if you went up to someone and they were like, I'm the project manager at, I don't know, like Deloitte, okay? And uh, and you start talking to them and, you're, and then you say to them, no, you're not a project manager. <laughs> <laughs> like that, they might hit you. They might, <laughs> like they might push you like or something. Like it's not going to be a good engagement. You're not going to, it's not going to be fun. Yeah. I, I, I find that unbelievable that that's some major hubris for somebody to say that to you. People but are weird. People yeah. are weird. It's yeah. very strange. And the last people that were also the, the last like quick little myth here that I just want to hit was like, by the way, your, your parents are going to like in our case in particular, we're pretty darn nervous about the whole thing. And you know, yours might be too, because your parents, you want to believe that they're excited for you and what you're going to do. But the reality is your parents want what's perceived as a stable job for you. They just want you to have money and to move out of the house. And that's really it. I mean, like purpose later. I, you know? I think so. they just don't want to have to give you more of their money <laughs> is really what it is. So if a stable job means that you don't need to ask them for more money, they're happier <laughs> with that. Whereas a startup is like, oh, no, kids might come back, move back in, want more money. Like, uh, so I feel yeah. like you know, the parents are great, but you know, understand where they're coming from on it as well. So, yeah. yeah. So this, this is a lot of like little myths and like little things that we're sort of tackling here, but I want you to know, and this is really our key learning today. If you're taking notes at home, which I assume you are, is that this is normal. You will be fine. You will feel these pressures. This is okay. You might even have done 
You might even have moved to California. I'm so sorry. I mean, California is cool, actually. You can go surf in nice weather, whatever. I guess. Yeah, I'm actually kind of jealous think. of the weather. I don't know. We're in Canada. So I feel like the fantasy of California is like it's beaches and always warm. And all this stuff. <laughs> but, um, you know, like you might have done some of these. You might have acted on some of these myths because you just felt this like unbelievable like societal pressure to make decisions for your company that is based more on pulp culture than actual, you know, decision, you know, process oriented decision making. So, you know, it's it, particularly early on, you're going to feel it out. You don't quite know what you're doing this with this thing and you're going to look for answers. And, and sometimes these things happen and it's, it's just, it's totally normal to feel weirded out, maybe even disappointed in what a startup actually is and the reactions of your peers. You know, a lot of this ties to, again, on the one hand, your passion for business and on the other hand, your desire for positive outcomes for what you're working on, you know? It's just, it's, you know, mental health is like, you know, hashtag mental health. Like there's a mental health is a real deal. It just gets thrown around a lot, but like, this is one thing that you probably didn't see coming as like a real mental health concern as a founder is that, you know, managing your mental health as you launch the business is super important. But, you know, so I'm telling you today, that just understand the feelings you're having are normal. It's okay. It's going to be yep, fine. We've been work. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was wondering if this was something else that, um, like other like, so we felt this and I, you know, in talking to some entrepreneurs, I knew this, but I was looking for data to try and like sort of pin this down. This is kind of a hard thing to find data for, but I did find an HBR piece, uh, Harvard Business Review that says, you know, what makes entrepreneurs burnt out? And they basically, they, you know, again, interviewing lots of founders and they came to many interesting sort of conclusions about the psychological effects uh, of becoming an entrepreneur, like in the context of the public perception of startups. Um, and they said, they had a good, a good quote here that entrepreneurs who were obsessively passionate about their business viewed their career as important because of certain pressures or outcomes. They were concerned about social acceptance, status, money, obviously, and uh, other outcomes associated with being an entrepreneur. It's real. <laughs> this happens. This is a thing. And it's okay. So what do you do, Chris? How do we oh, get through push this? on? Push right? on. You're going through keep hell, going. keep going. Yeah. Right? Winston Churchill said that, I think. I thought that was you. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, no, yeah. It, that's really it, though. Push on. So, how yeah, do you do so that, true. Chris? How do you do it? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think the, the big thing for us, and I have this theory, uh, actually, I think I read it somewhere. I can't remember where I'll have to get the I'm reference. Gonna immediately discredit you. Uh, and they say you did not come up with this, whatever the, I yeah, don't know what I this did, is, but whatever it is. Yeah. I picked this up somewhere. Um, but, uh, the idea is it's a three to one ratio for bad things versus good things. It's almost like a point system. So you're running your business and you have a good thing happen. You get a big deal. Well, that's one point. Okay. And you're in your business and then something happens. Customers angry at you for some reason. That's minus three points. Okay. <laughs> so there's this overweight <laughs> waiting on, uh, the bad things that happen in your business. And, and that, that's, that, that's tough. Uh, you, you know, these one little bad things kind of spoils three good things. Um, so what we've tried to do, uh, with our business is whenever we had a win, we tried to make a point of celebrating it. So try and draw that out. So make that one point into two or three, okay? By, hey, we got a big client. Um, let's order in pizza for lunch and, you know, uh, let's do something fun. I remember when we got to our 100th client, uh, yeah. we went out, we played ping pong. Um, sweet. And, and it was really fun, you know? So uh, take those little 
like milestones that you hit as a startup and celebrate them. Okay. And then on the flip side, so those setbacks that you have, what you want to do is uh, really quickly postmortem them. So figure out, okay, what happened? What went wrong? Implement something in your business to prevent that from happening again, and then move on real quick. Okay, so I'll give an example of one that we had where we were developing apps and uh, we actually loaded the apps into the App Store accounts of our clients. So they managed, they owned the App Store account. We were invited into it. Um, so we had, a, we had a client that their app disappeared from the App Store uh, one morning. So they contact us really upset, you know, uh, you know, why, why, yeah, what have you done? App go, what have you done? Why did you break our app? Uh, yeah. And then we, we find out that the admin on their side who got the notification to renew their app store account, pay their 99 bucks for the year, uh, just didn't do it. Um, and the app store ex uh, account expired. Yeah. Yeah. I know. How can, can you imagine? How? Um, IT. Anyways. No. So obviously though, it took us like a couple hours to figure this out. Like, Oh, like, where did it go? What happened? Did something, you know, is something down, you know, whatever. And then we obviously figured it out. We explained it to the customer, but they're still like fuming. And they've been like blaming us for that time when we were trying to figure out what was going on. So what we did was we said, okay, look, we can't have this happen anymore. It's even, even though this is the customer's responsibility to renew their app store account. Uh, why don't we build a tool that monitors? So like in the middle of the night, it checks every single app to make sure it's still in the app store. And if it's not tells us, so at least we are the first ones to know and bring that to the client. And then, so, yep, we did it. We had a developer build that tool and then we moved on uh, and, and tried to tried to forget about that setback yeah. and, and focus on the positive things. As so, yeah, as I, a big one. as far as I know, that tool's still working, too. I'm pretty yeah, sure that so. Motorola sure. is still using that bad boy. But, um, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, too. I, I think on the psychology of like celebrating the wins and the, 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 the more significant negativity on losses, it definitely relates to like human nature and like a survival instinct around, we all have a fascination around bad news. That's why news cycles are particularly like fearful because they know that that kind of like, we're more interested in things that freak us out than we are things that say everything's okay. Um, yeah. Just as a, from a survival perspective. So I think that that's kind of what's happening there too. So Chris's point is really well made is that you need to amp up those wins to just kind of fight the natural negativity that can happen when things aren't going so well and and obviously an over fascination with negativity so um last thing i'll say here too is that i think one of the things that was really good for at least for me and and i, don't, I think for you too chris is that you got to stay in the business stay in the short-term needs of the business um you know focus on what you need to do today or move the business forward and, and don't take your eye off it I think that I used to get the most nervous when I started thinking longer term, when I started thinking a year, two years, I mean, even like six months out, like at times, I, it's not that you don't want to think about those things yeah, at some point. You have an idea of where yeah, you're going. You know where you want to go. But you don't want to get too fixated on, you know, the mountain of work that you have to do between now and then. Yeah. yeah. I think particularly for the developers, because mm -hmm. you guys legitimately had a mountain of work to do. Like if we yeah. printed out all the PBIs, it would be a mountain. Like, yeah. I, I think um, it, it's it's one of those things where being in the short term and focusing on accomplishing something on each given day will move you towards your longer term objectives anyway. And fretting about something further out is just going to probably make you freak out a little bit more and cause you to make weird decisions. Again, based on some of these, you'll look for answers and you'll look for societal pressures. You know, oh, um, our revenue this quarter 
wasn't where we wanted it to be. Um, and so then you start thinking about, okay, well, where do I want to be this time next year? So how are we going to do that? Oh, maybe we should do this. And all of a sudden you move to California. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which wouldn't be all bad. <laughs> Again, not bad. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah. So let's wrap this up. So uh, starting a business, glorious at first, but then reality hits. Um, there's tons of startup BS out there. This pop culture around it. And there's actually quite a few people that talk about this too. And there's other books and there's, there's great material out there, but just be ready. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to push on you and you're going to be disappointed at least a little bit by what a startup actually is and what it requires and the effort. And I know, you know, what's interesting is Chris and I, you know, we were toying with maybe doing another business or whatever, and it's way more intimidating now that I know what's in it. Like, oh, and, and so again, I try to think short term. Well, like, do I, what do I want to do? Do I want to work on that this week or not? Um, I digress. Some other things, some people's reactions will also disappoint you when you talk to them about your company. It's okay. It's all normal. This is all a documented thing. Social pressure will affect you and your mental health. The key though, push on. Push on, right Push on. on, rock on. <laughs> Thank you, folks. That is the second episode of this uh, Startup Takeoff series. Uh, next week, we will be talking about one of my personal faves. Do you really need to raise capital uh, for your business? It's going to be a lot of fun, and I look, I'm looking forward to it. Please rate the pod, follow us on social, leave a review, ask us questions, whatever. Looking forward to hearing from you, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, subscribe to and rate Startup Different in your favorite podcast app. If you want to see our radio faces, check us out on YouTube at Startup Different and look us up on social. We're probably there if you are. And lastly, do you want to feature your startup on the show? Reach out via our website, startupdifferent.com. See you next time.